On today's episode is a hockey legend coach. Gardner McDougall is a head coach at University of New Brunswick. He's been there for the last 24 years, and in that time he's won 19 conference championships, eight national championships. He's on his way right now with a 26-0 record this year. Last year they, they dumped him into the Memorial Cup to help St. John kind of salvage their hosting responsibilities. He won a Memorial Cup. He's been able to coach gold medals at the University Games with Team Canada. Um, he, even off the ice, he's won the Golden Jubilee and a bunch of other awards in the communities in the New Brunswick Hall of Fame. Like This guy is just an absolute beauty and a legend. And we got to learn from him so much today. And Dustin, the really cool thing is that we learned lots about you because you got a chance to play for him. What did you learn from the podcast today? Yeah, I was, I mean, I was, I was extremely uh, fortunate to experience, uh, you know, this firsthand and Gardner's um, servant heart and servant mindset, uh, both for, uh, both for his program and for his players. Absolutely. And as we tee up into the podcast, you're learn how hard work is really the recipe for high performance success. We usually find the ones that actually love the game, you know, and, uh, you know, have high character. And for the coaches that coach them, I always think that when you're coaching those players, you're trying to make that season that you're coaching your players the best ever of their lives. Welcome to the Win All Day Every Day podcast presented by Prairie Hockey Academy. My name is Barrett Kropp, the general manager, and this is our U18 head coach and director of conditioning, Dustin Friesen. And today is all about a coaching legend. We're excited to have the head coach from the University of New Brunswick with us, Gardner McDougall. Welcome to the show, Gardner. Uh, certainly a pleasure, fellas. Great to see both of you again. Absolutely. Let's get right into it. What would you say is the best way that you've been able to establish and build a great culture out at UNB? Uh, I guess I would say right off the bat, find as many Dustin Friesens as possible for a team. <laughs> I'll put him right on the spot. Uh, but it certainly is all about the people. And uh, we've been fortunate uh, at UMB to have a, a tremendous people. Uh, you know, obviously players are the most important, but our staff has been outstanding. Uh, I think the support we've had at UMB from the administration through the kinesiology department and, you know, our president is a key fan. And I think we've had four university presidents since I've been at UMB and all of them are avid fans. I remember my first year, I think it was game number four. St. Thomas University was at that time a very chief rival. They have a campus right on our campus. And uh, it was my first year. I think it was game number four. We're playing down. They had a smaller rink called the LBR. And I, I come out to go on the bench. And right in the first row behind the bench is our university president, Liz Park Johnson. It was a lady at that time. <laughs> I thought to myself, well, we're going to find out how much of a fan she is because uh, of the proximity. And it was going to be a really tight game. There's going to be a lot of emotions, including a lot of emotions from the coach to push the players. <laughs> Anyways, we got through that game and, uh, you know, we've had a, a lot of, like I said, a, a tremendous uh, people that have, have helped our program. I think it's always, always about the people. And then with people, you establish standards and, and with standards, I think you, you build a trust and with trust, I think you build confidence and, and, and accountability with the group. So, uh, you know, I have a, a course starting at UNB in, in the spring on high-performance culture. So if people want to know more about culture, they could take that online course. <laughs> nice. That's uh, that's great to hear. And, I, you know, uh, just if people don't know, I'm uh, I'm an alumni of the uh, University of New Brunswick. So that uh, place is pretty uh, dear to, to my heart and a lot of uh, really great memories there. But, you know, Coach, you talked about um, bringing in the right people. And you're, you're 
you're well known for um, your recruiting and that you're a master recruiter. And so maybe if you could just give us some ideas um, and just some things that you look for when you are recruiting and, and some of that process uh, for bringing in the, the right people for your program. Well, I'd say, is, is Dave Adolf listening today? But <laughs> and then, uh, I'm sure he's still in Saskatchewan and a terrific guy, and I know. But uh, no, I, I think it's all about really making a connection uh, with the people that you're you're trying to recruit. Uh, you know, I think that in, in this day and age, it's got to be some value in, it's got to be a double win. Obviously, we're looking for, you know, the right people, first of all, and, and then hopefully they have the right, you know, skills and talent and character that are important for our program. But it's also, you know, we have to provide something for the players. Well, it has to be a double win. And uh, I think, uh, you know, a vast majority of the players that come to UMB, they come really for two reasons. One is uh, the excellence and, and an opportunity to win. You know, we've had players that have, you know, the majority of our players would come from the CHL. Now, when I first started, we had a number of junior A players, uh, predominantly, you know, from Saskatchewan Junior Hockey League. We had a lot of good players from that league throughout the years. Uh, just seems a way it's evolved now. And we did have a, a player cap in our league at one time of 22 players only, which limited sometimes taking some chances on maybe some, you know, junior A or tier two players. Uh, they raised the cap last year to 24. So it gives you a little more flexibility there. But I think it's, uh, you know, one is the excellence and then the other is development. You know, I think the vast majority, I think the last three uh, rosters, full rosters of our program have all gone to play pro hockey. You know, and I think I did a 10-year study and I think over 90% of the players that come to UNB go to pro hockey for at least one year when they finish at UNB. So, uh, and they still have the dream of trying to play pro hockey at the highest level. So those are two ingredients that, we probably sell and then and players are looking for, and then, then it's just making a connection and finding something that fits, you know, sometimes it's, uh, you know, it's, it's what your needs are as, as a coach as well. I, I know one of my <laughs> probably tougher moments, uh, my nephew was, had been a four year graduate of the Quebec major junior hockey. Uh, he was a captain of the Moncton Wildcats, a real good player. And the, the year he graduated, um, we had uh, a number of players returning. It was a 22-member cap, and I think we had 19 players returning. And, uh, you know, there was two local players at that time. Actually, three, we ended up three local players. We had three availability, and I tr somehow tried to talk my sister <laughs> into, you know, uh, telling them to go to the East Coast League till Christmas. And then I think uh, the Allen Cup was being hosted by the Moncton area, so I said, come to – play East Coast till Christmas, <laughs> come to UNB, take classes, practice with the senior team, participate in the Allen Cup, and then you got four good years with us after that. But <laughs> it didn't quite go over, and he ended up being a real uh, real good opponent for us for five years at St. Mary's and, and was their team captain at the end of it. And the one good thing, my last year, I, I got to coach the University Cup All-Stars versus the World Juniors up in Oakville, Ontario, and uh, – Stephen Johnson was the lad's name, and we got to pick Stephen. Uh, we had 13 forwards, and uh, I said, I don't know where you're going to fit in, but, you know, and uh, he ended up being in our top six and played really well for us. So uh, so sometimes there is, you know, how many uh, spots you have open and, and what your needs are and all that type of thing. But I think, to me, the number one thing is, is building a connection and, uh, you know, going through the process and, uh, you know, building that connection with the player that this can be. I, I consider it's probably the biggest decision of a player's life when they make the decision to come to university or, you know, often we're looking at 
players going to pro hockey or deciding to come to you know UNB and uh, you know and I always say it's you know the biggest decision but it's can be the best uh, period of your life as well yeah um I remember talking to you a number of years ago when we were trying to get our Trinity Western program built up and and uh, called you and bent your ear for an hour and um, was thankful for that time then because there was two nuggets of wisdom that that I, I really have used at that time at Trinity, but also now as we're here, um, that, that you said to me was you you look for captains and leaders of those other teams and you recruit smart kids because when you got smart players coming in, then that's kind of a bit of a bypass on, on the cap that they have on scholarships because they don't count against the athletic cap. They, they go against the, um, the the academic cap. So is there some more of that? Like if, if you know, if there's a young junior hockey player, a young U18 player that's out there, um, is there is there is that still that truth that you're looking for great leaders and you're looking for smart guys? Yeah, I think those are, I mean, certainly part of it, you know, because you have a, you know, there's a similar to, you know, the NHL has its player cap, salary cap per se, and uh, NCAA only have so many scholarships, same as U Sport. There's only 14 scholarships per team. And uh, if you have a acad- academic all Canadians, you can get additional scholarships. So you, you try to treat the players as best you can, you know, and, uh, you know, so it, it certainly helps. It's not a, uh, you know, a, uh, ultimate, but boy, it helps, you know, because like you say, you try to treat them. And sometimes it inadvertently, you know, I think it helps when they're captain of the major junior team. I think to me, leadership is responsibility shared by everybody on your team. And, uh, you know, but, uh, you know, you only have one person where the C, which Dustin was, you know, uh, one of our best ever captains uh, while he was, you know, with our program at UMB and won two national championships as the captain, you know, so it's a, you know, that we talk about standards like that. But, um, you know, I think yeah, if we got leadership and I think they've had responsibility and, uh, you know, it's uh, it's not for everybody coming to UMB, you know, and I, you know, I said, uh, you know, there's higher standards. Uh, we're going to expect more. Uh, we probably treat our players, I think, the best of as good as anyone can in the country, you know, with their facilities and, and, and everything we do, uh, you know, with high standards and everything we do. But, uh, you know, the, sometimes not, not every player wants to, OK, <laughs> you know, to, to go to those standards. So uh, and I think that's always uh, you know, I always ask them you know, one to ten. How do you like practice? And, uh, you know, you look for, you know, some players are, you know, usually players want to get better. You know, I think that's the biggest thing is their value. Can I become a better person? First of all, because I think you're going to be a person a lot longer than you're going to be a hockey player right now. They're in their prime of their hockey careers and that's what they want. But, you know, when, when the university's done, whether they're 23, 24, 25, if they go on the pro hockey, the average pro hockey careers, the last stats I saw was 4.8 years average. So let's say you play 10, you're still only, 33 or 35, there's a lot of living left to do, you know? So that's where I think uh, you want to gain values that are going to help you when hockey's done as well, you know? So I think the the leadership certainly helps and, uh, you know, the, the standards and things like that, I think are probably our best ever. I think we had six major, ju- 16, excuse me, major junior captains on one of our teams through the years, you know? And uh, yeah, that's, you know, it's really enjoyable. The coach, you know, high achievers, usually you know, if you're wearing a C, in the CHL, uh, usually you got some type of you know components of being a high achiever, which right. fits right into you know what we're all about at UNB. Uh, coach, you know you've you've talked a lot about raising the standards and how you know UNB it's not for everyone and how you're trying to really you know develop this and continually trying to develop 
and raise the standards of a high performance culture. Um, you know, your team has been pretty successful this year, you know, you're 26 and 0. Um, but when we, you know, we, when we've talked, uh, over the weeks here and, you know, you guys are still playing really well, you keep on saying, we got to find a way to get better. Um, and so just maybe, maybe talk about that, you know, just as, as far as the program and, and within the team within this year, what are ways that you are continually looking uh, to get better and how, and how you guys go about that? Uh, I read a great quote last a couple of weeks ago, maybe, uh, we're not good enough not to get better. <laughs> and, uh, and I think a lot of times you look at, let's say impact players, I obviously use examples from the national hockey league, but you look at, you know, the top players in the national hockey league, uh, you know, I go back to Sidney Crosby for, you know, the longevity of his career and at such a high performance and at 35 years old is having unbelievable season, but he earns everything he gets. And, you know, I was very fortunate to spend a week in Vail, Colorado at uh, Crosby's high altitude ca camp with his, you know, his fitness coach had called me uh, probably about 10 years ago now about going down to Vail and running the on ice sessions for Crosby's group, probably two or three weeks before the NHL training camp, uh, the early September end of August, or early September. And uh, it was one of those neat moments as a coach that you get the, you know, as a, uh, they had a draft the first night and uh, Crosby's the captain of one team, John Tavares, who was still at the Islanders at that time was the captain of the other team. And uh, our 13th forward was a guy by the name of Patrick Kane. You know, his agent had pleaded to, can he please get to the camp? So he was our 13th forward. And at that time, you know, McKinnon was a younger player there, but uh, you know, Duchesne, uh, it was a who's who of, uh, you know, NHL top players. And uh, Danny Clary was one of the old veterans there at that time. He was still playing for the Red Wings. But uh, and what a great, you know, week. And to see all these tremendous players, high achievers, and uh, multimillionaires. But uh, the neat thing I took out of that was just, number one, their joy of the game. You know, so I have a, a little saying like, you know, to coming to UMB and I remember Dustin, you know, one of our calls at that time, you know, I was just getting started here and we didn't have that much funds to bring guys in for recruiting trips, which is a big part of the thing now. But I remember talking to you on the phone and, I, you know, I kind of saying, uh, you know, it's not for everyone here. It's all about work here. And I could almost hear you going through the phone. <laughs> I, I can work. I'm like, you know, so, uh, but it, uh, you know, I seen just the, the work ethic of those players. First of all, they love the game. So I think, uh, and uh, you know, work ethic is a big part of our success at UNB. So I think, you know, hard work without joy is a thing called drudgery. It doesn't last. But hard work with joy leads to high performance, and and not just in hockey or sport, but in life. You know, I think you got to learn to love what you're what you're doing, and not everyone has that. You know, has a job that they absolutely love, and that's why I've been fortunate to do something I absolutely love. You know, for the last thirty plus years, and including twenty four here at UNB. You know, so I, I think that's a, you know, that's a big part of, of that to just seeing those players uh, and their work ethic and then how competitive they were, you know, so I'm sure, you know, a player from six years old, hears those words, <laughs> his six year old or seven year old coach. And I'm sure the guys in the National Hockey League hear those words. Uh, you got to like, we got to work harder or smarter or longer, you know, and uh, we got to compete for pucks. You know, so there's there's parts of the game. I think the game certainly has changed through my my time in it, but there's still components. I remember when I first started coaching, there's an older fella back in PEI, 
and uh, I'd had him as a coach when I came up through, you know, the midget and that type of thing. And he said, like, if you're going to coach, there's three things that you got to do as a coach. Uh, number one, you got to find people that want to work. And number two, you got to want to find people that don't mind chasing pucks. And then number three, you got to find people that like to be around one another. And, uh, you know, that was many years ago when he said that. But those components, if you if you can get your team to work and uh, to you know, get on pucks and, and to enjoy playing for one another, that's a great foundation for any level of hockey. Mm-hmm. You've, you've been a master of developing your culture of excellence at UNB. You've talked about, you know, the, the recruiting and, and how you continue to build that and you look for those hard workers. But you've also found great success in short-term competition. You've won multiple gold medals with Team Canada at the University Ad Games. And, and even just last year, in a five-week window, uh, you took a team that lost out in the first round and you won a Memorial Cup with St. John. Um, obviously, you don't have a long runway to do that. You had, you had five weeks to sort of even turn that program into a Memorial Cup champion. So what were some of the things that you've pulled out of your your university career and the excellence that you've established there and, and made a part of your, your run at the Memorial cup, for example. I think I've been fortunate to have a lot of great experiences and, uh, throughout the years. And that would have started in, in Manitoba and Saskatchewan. And, uh, you know, even in Saskatchewan, uh, you know, the Brad Eagles are no longer, you know, uh, a franchise, but I got to be, you know, Brad McEwen is a very dear friend of mine. And we got to, Brad was there one year before I was, but it started an expansion franchise. So what we did there, we used to take our top candidates, uh, maybe if, it was, you know, it was tough as a 16 and 17 year old to even make the SGA in those days, but we'd take our young guys and any of our listed players at that time. And we take a trip to Toronto and uh, we take a team down to Toronto and we play in a May long weekend tournament uh, down in, in, uh, in Toronto. And we take the guys pretty well. We'd meet in Winnipeg and then we'd go down, you know, fly, have one practice in Winnipeg, fly to Toronto, get a couple of practices before the tournament started. But We'd go to see a Blue Jays game. We'd go to the Hockey Hall of Fame. Gretzky's restaurant was still operation at that time and CN Tower, all that. But we get to know the players really well. So even that short-term event, we learned lots of things. And then I was involved in you know the program excellence and the under-17 program in both Manitoba and Saskatchewan and got a chance to go to under-17 competitions and uh, you know, in Thunder Bay, or excuse me, Timmins, Ontario with Team Western. And uh, so those, those experiences all helped down the road. Uh, you know, I took teams when I was in Labrette and then, you know, I had started the OCM Blizzard at that time. And we took teams over to Sweden, which was somewhat similar because we'd go over there and play four games, but you'd have to get your team prepared, play really good competition. One year we played Modo, which we played against the Sedin. The Sedins were, you know, still in, in junior, ho- or junior hockey at that time in Modo. And uh, so those were all those experiences helped. Uh, we've been fortunate uh, to go to a lot of national championships and then, you know, a fair number of them have turned out successful, but you learn kind of what works, maybe what doesn't, you know, we certainly made mistakes along the way and uh, things like that. So I think when you get these and then, uh, you know, the team uh, U sport, I guess we'd call it uh, against the world juniors. I've been fortunate to, you know, go to Victoria to Oakville last year in Moncton. And those are all neat because you're, you're, bringing a lot of new players and you got to make an impact right away. You know, and there's different team building things you can do right away, but it's just building the trust of the group as quick as you can. And, and trust is a twofold, you know, the player, like I, I think uh, one year I had won a, you know, a coaching award and I said, 
I have to thank the players uh, for trusting us as coaches and letting us coach. But I also, I think the players would thank us that we allowed them to play, you know, and I think the way hockey is, there's so much information out there for hockey. <laughs> I remember when I started uh, up in Cranberry Portage, Manitoba at Frontier Collegiate. And, and we said kind of like a, an academy, kind of like what you fellows have at the Prairie Academy now. There's only really two then. There was Notre Dame, and we had this Frontier Collegiate. And, and my goal, I called ourselves Notre Dame of the North. <laughs> you know, my goal was to, to try to beat Notre Dame. It took me four years, but we finally beat them my last year there. But uh, I remember uh, writing Roger Nielsen, who had the Roger Nielsen's coaching symposium, and then saying, listen, I can't make your conference. I would pay for the notes of the conference because that was really all there was at that time. And sure enough, you know, six or eight weeks later, I get this beautiful package uh, up to Cranberry Portage from Roger Nielsen. He was coaching the Rangers. I'm a Ranger fan. I was, you know, he'd sent me, you know, different stuff on the Rangers and he sent me the whole coaching symposium package. And that was my hockey Bible for my first 10 or 15 years of coaching, all the drills in it and everything. I just, uh, you know, I think Don McAdam had two or three books out at those times and I use those extensively, but now with our modern world, now, if you're a new, a new coach, like, okay, uh, the four check, well, you can Google four check. (laughs) You'd come, you'd have 25 books on four check, you know, and it's now it's almost okay. What can I use and try to decipher through all the information? So I think one of the things you have to let players play, and especially at a young age. And I think there probably is more micromanaging of the game of hockey now than ever, because there's just so much information out there. And rather than, you know, I'm sure if you asked Dustin when he was brought up, uh, you know, probably played on the pond and how he was brought up as a player. And a lot of that was probably unstructured at an early age and, and, and turned out really well. And now I think, you know, the, the young guys are so, you know, six-year-olds, seven-year-olds are playing 60 games of hockey. <laughs> They've got four or five coaches behind the bench. Everyone's yelling. Everyone's doing this. We're, we're teaching the breakout at seven years old. Mm-hmm. And there's none of that kind of spontaneity of becoming a player. And to me, getting the love of the game first, because I think, to me, that's the number one factor is that you learn to love it and enjoy it. You know, we met our group this year, first day, September for August 31st, our first day. And the first, uh, you know, I, I think I like to do a presentation the first day, even though the fifth year guys have heard some of that presentation five times, I still think it's important. And uh, you emphasize what your program's all about. Here's the key points. Uh, you know, we have five things my second week in the job, when I got the job, I put five things I wanted to achieve. And those five things are almost similar. It's probably the only thing that stayed the same because, yeah, uh, you know, lots of certainly the drill. I got Rob Haneker, who's like the absolute best. So uh, some of those drills that Dustin would have had for five years, <laughs> I've retained a few of them, but we got a lot of new ones now. <laughs> you know, so. But I think that, to me that you know, just getting the love. So the first, like going back to our first meeting this year, I, I just said the most important word for our group this year is a four-letter word that starts with L and it ends with E. And I said love, and uh, you know, I said first of all, you got to love yourself and who you are and what you're becoming, and and you got to love your teammates, 
and you got to love our program and you got to love the game of hockey because, you know, we're trying to achieve something with our team this year that has only been done once in UMB hockey history is, is going back to back. It's not easy. It's a very competitive uh, youth sport. And, uh, you know, and, uh, it's not always a straight road. There's lots of blemishes. There's lots of, I call them ship fires or adversity. There's going to be lots of that. And so when you love something, you can, uh, I think you can put up with that and you can continue to get better and you can see the big picture, you know? So I think, you know, when you look at, you know, developing our players from a young age up, I think that's our still should be our key component, you know, and uh, Rob, my associate coach, he has a young son now five years old who's playing and uh, freeze you, you'd love this. So of course his uh, Saturday practice is at six o'clock (laughs) AM and his Sunday practice is at six o'clock AM. And we've all gone through that. But I, I sometimes think, okay, we're trying to keep all these five and six and seven-year-olds in the game. And part of it's the kid keeping them in the game. It's also the parents keeping them in the game. <laughs> and I said, I'm not sure how every parent, every ice time is at you know, 6 a.m. It's just Canadian way, and that's how it is. But sometimes I think you look, okay, they can have one Saturday six, maybe the next Saturday's eight a.m. You know, and we may retain more. But I get Henny, and you know, we're coming in from Halifax at three o'clock or three thirty in the morning. I got to be up to rink at six. So you know how that go over with the big H. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's good for him. Yeah, so, um, yeah, Coach, you, you had uh, you've mentioned lots like uh, just how you know how the game has changed. You know how how players have changed. You know just without within your time at, at UNB. Um, you know, maybe just give us some examples of 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 what you've changed, I guess, um, or with your coaching, with, with player development, um, with uh, with the program building. Like, what what has really evolved with within your program and within your coaching, and you know, in the last you know almost twenty five years at, at University of New Brunswick. Yeah, I think you have, obviously have to change, and, and, and players. I think there's lots of core values that are still in players. You know, like the, we've tried, you know, we usually find the ones that actually love the game, you know, and, uh, you know, have high character, uh, have great work ethics, you know, and uh, I think that's part of the recruiting process is, is being authentic and just say, this is how it is here, you know, and, and yeah, we've had players that, you know, and, uh, you know, when they, sometimes they say, okay, when they come to UMB, uh, you know, well, the coach didn't tell me where I'm playing or, or what I'm doing and all that, I've got, you know, feedback. And I said, you know, always, all we promise them is you're going to play with good players, <laughs> you know, it doesn't matter where you're going to play, you know? And uh, I remember Hunter Tromley, who was a, you know, a terrific teammate of uh, of uh, Dustin's and uh, is our all time leading scorer. And, you know, had signed a contract with the Edmonton Oilers when he left. And I, I positive he would have made the national hockey league. Unfortunately, his second year in the American league, he had back-to-back concussions and had to retire. You know, but I remember when he came in his recruiting trip, he just wanted to see the rink and he wasn't worried about anything else. He never asked once, you know, where am I playing or, you know, and never asked about anything. He just, can I have five minutes? I want to see the rink. And he kind of looked around the rink and come back. Yeah, I'm coming. <laughs> you know, but he was one of those special guys. You know, he just loved the game, you know, and uh, when you can find those. But it also sets a standard. There's our absolute best player in the world. There was no like, I need this or what about this or where am I doing this and that type of thing. And, uh, you know, so it, it's a good standard when I talk about, you know, players that want to come here, you know, and, uh, but yeah, you certainly have to change. I mean, there's some things we do the same, uh, you know, we, 
we do, I think, begin the team building because we try to get players across the country. You know, um, we could use probably some more Western Hockey League players. We haven't had as many lately, but we've got a, a gem and a, a Sam McGinley joined us, a former Swift Current Bronco. And unfortunately, he, uh, he put, you know, had shoulder injury, missed most of the first half, but he's going to be a dynamic defenseman for us. Very, very good. And Griffin Outhouse is a, you know, former Western Hockey League goalie, had a brilliant career in Victoria. And He's having the best year of his career this year. Uh, you know, he leads Canada in save percentage and goals against. So he's been spectacular. And you know, last year he had a back operation, so he wasn't never had a chance to get fit all summer. And so kind of, you know, trying to catch the train all year, still had a, a solid career or year for us and part of our national championship team. But he's gone to a new level this year. And uh, I think that's one of the things we expect, you know, a player to try to get better every year here, you know, find some way to get get better in your game every year you know so but i think you you know you always got to evolve as a coach too you've got to i think one of the, like we're going back to asking guys how they like to practice if it's a good year at umb we have over 100 practices so i have, i say you times 400 times four years that's 400 practices so if i got if i got some guy saying how do you like practice and some guy says ah six out of ten <laughs> i said i don't know if that's going to work you know if you don't enjoy it because yeah and, and they're not always easy i mean you know i think that part especially this year we've had you know some success uh in the regular season so we have to you know, make our practice maybe a little tougher as well. You know, we got to create some adversity somewhere along the way here, you know, so, but I think you evolve, you know, you find ways to do things better. Uh, you know, someone, uh, simplicity is the ultimate form of sophistication. And I think the simpler we can make the game, the better it is, you know, and, and we've spent a lot of time probably last eight or 10 years trying to simplify what we want to teach and how we want to teach it. And, uh, you know, I read a great book, I, I, you know, uh, you have 30 seconds to make an impact. And so maybe one thing when I talk to my, uh, our players, I, you know, as a head coach, you talk to your players a lot. But one thing I learned about that book, like people make, uh, they're either going to buy in or buy out within five to 10 seconds of you talking to them. So now anytime I talk to my group and you, and you get to talk to them a lot during the week, but I try to write down exactly what I want to say. And I write it down because I never use notes when I speak to it. I always want to have it in my mind, um, you know, when I'm going to talk. But I will go over that even, like, say, the start of practice if I'm going to come in. You always, there's always some message you want to send your team every day, I think, you know, and uh, whether it's you or, you know, associate coach. And uh, so I, whatever you're going to say, I try to write it down. And, you know, there's you got to start with something. Curiosity, I think, is a powerful part of intellectual learning you know rather than just giving it giving everything out i think you got to make players kind of find out you know well, why we're doing this or whatever it may be so i think that's one thing my communication i think is is improved throughout the years at what you want to say and and then um, you know even at practice and you know when you're going to talk to your team at practice is seeing what message are you sending you know and i think you know you can have theme weeks uh okay here's what we want to do this week or you know we've got two big games every weekend seems to be big games you know but there's a you know a theme for the week i think you get your players engaged in that and you can you know some type of motivation that you can go back to that all the time and you know maybe going back as barrett you mentioned uh, the saint john experience which was one of my 
unbelievable experience there. It was, you know, a guy who wanted to write a book about it, and uh, he said 39 days in St. John. <laughs> you know, but it was, you know, hockey on steroids, the Memorial Cup, and I've been lucky to, you know, world championships and, and university cup championships, uh, you know, multiple. But uh, the Memorial Cup, uh, you know, when I took the job, I said it's the, uh, it's the number one amateur tournament in the world. You know, it's our, in the North American, and, and you know, there's certainly pr- lots of professional, you know, uh, over in Europe and lots of, but for a tournament, it's the, the biggest in the world, and it's probably the most historic. When you see the Memorial Cup, and you know, if you ever get a chance to look at the trophy and go through the the names that have won that trophy, it's just hockey history. Like you could, you could do a course on the Memorial Cup, a hockey course on the Memorial Cup, and you know, we're fortunate to have it for a couple of days. And when you go through the names, and I. Of course, of course, I had to have the Memorial Cup trivia <laughs> when we hosted it, and uh, but uh, the names on it and the people that have won it uh, is just you know, and uh, so that experience was phenomenal. And in full credit to the players, uh, St. John had a, a tremendous team, and they had you know the second half of the season was they had extended winning streak and, and ran over the Maritime Division. Unfortunately, the Maritime Division wasn't that strong with COVID. And younger, just in the rebuild of you know the team, so they probably didn't get pushed. They played some good teams up in Quebec, but uh, it was just probably tough circumstances. You know, the coach there did you know great job in the regular season with them, and unfortunately, they ran into you know really well coached Ramuski team that you know was a five game series rather than a seven game series just because of the time frame with COVID, and you know the playoffs were in May. You know, so it was a different and, and trying to get it in. I think, you know, a number of players had, uh, you know, flu bug had caught them at that time as well. So some players weren't playing at the 100% capability. And, you know, sometimes, uh, you know, I say Lady Mo, she was a positive for us in, in the Memorial Cup, but maybe Lady Mo was with Ramuski at that time and they just found a way, you know. But the, I said, there's a country and Western song, uh, you know, uh, you got to get the dust off the bottle. And, uh, this was a fine, you know, fine group, uh, lots of talent, and uh, just needed to, you know, get some structure and some motivation and get engaged. And we were lucky; we got a second chance. All the other four teams at that tournament, or excuse me, three teams at that tournament, had all won their league, and we were the only team that didn't get a chance to win. You know, so that was a powerful motivator for our group. And. Uh, and we kind of got a, you know, a mulligan, I guess you would say, because we're hosting, you know, so sometimes in life, you know, everyone's going to get a mulligan sometime in life of some part of their life. And, and I said, when you get a mulligan, you want to take full advantage of it. And I can't say enough, uh, you know, about the group and we have a fitness instructor because our days were structured. Um, we worked out and then we practiced or we practiced and then we worked out and, and we had to overwork them. I just, there's no you know, we had the 30 days or so to get ready and we just had to get at them and uh, in a good way, but we had to, you know, it had to be high work ethic and, and our fitness guy did an outstanding job. He had to push and because you have no idea. And my experience in major junior hockey was somewhat limited. I had five, five games with the Swift Current Broncos. I think 1998, uh, Todd McClellan, was leaving for the world juniors. Brad was taking over. I had taken one year off of hockey uh, to be an elementary school physical education teacher. And I got a chance to uh, teach my son and my daughter a grade one to four school. And uh, the school division 
the Paul Manitoba was fortunate enough to give me a few days off. So I joined Swift Current on the weekend and I got to coach one or two games with Todd. Then he left for the World Juniors. So Brad and I went to uh, the overnighter from Swift Current to Kamloops in Kelowna and then Prince George. And so we went 0-4-1. And and so uh, we got a tie up in Prince George and they had a great team that year. And then we uh, left Prince George and Toledo, who's still a longtime friend of mine, was a trainer there. And they had their head scout along on the trip. So we talked from Prince George, not all the way to Swift Current, but good part of it went through every draft in the Western Hockey League history. And then I got back to Swift Current. Then I had to drive from Swift Current to the Paw, Manitoba, to teach class Monday morning. And I, I think I arrived about 7.30, quarter to 8. My class started at 9. But it was a, a great week, you know. So when they asked me in uh, St. John, uh, you know, the coaches conference before the Memorial Cup, they asked, okay, coach, what do you think about your chances for your team? <laughs> so I said, listen, we lost in the first round. I looked at the CHL rankings. I think we're ranked 27th. <laughs> I said, we're playing number one, number two, and number three. And we're ranked 27th. Plus, we haven't played in 31 days. And I said, and the coach, the coach is going to make his debut as a CHL coach. And his only only experience in the CHL is an assistant coach of Brad McEwen, and his record was zero four and one with the Swift Current Broncos. So I said, I think we're the overwhelming underdogs here. <laughs> Anyways, it worked out in our favor. Yeah, well, it's brilliant storytelling. Love it. Love to hear your journey. You know, right from your time in places like you mentioned, Labret, and off to OCN, and winning Coach of the Year there, and lots of coach of the year honors that, you know, in the AUS and, and U sports and man, just, there's so many great things about you Gardner that, uh, that we really appreciate. And, and, you know, just, uh, uh, a real down to earth guy, like you're, you're just someone that leads on the ice as much as you do off the ice. And we could probably have a whole nother podcast about all the things that you do off the ice for your players and in the community and how you've been recognized there as well. And that's what excites me for this next segment, because, it's called our guide and provide section um, where we ask our guests to talk about and give us nuggets for uh, a player, for a young player, then a, a piece of wisdom for parents that are out there, you know, wringing their hands, what, what should they do with their, your, their son and daughters in the sport? And then finally a piece of advice for other young coaches uh, that are out there. Uh, maybe it's like Dustin, who's got to maybe do a better job of dodging pucks on the bench. So he doesn't take, you know, two days before the podcast, he doesn't have to wear a big shiner on his face here, but love, love to just glean some more wisdom off of you from those three topics, wisdom for players, wisdom for parents and wisdom for a young coach. Yeah. You know, for the players, I probably go back to number one, be yourself and, but develop yourself. But the, the number one is to, to learn to love the game. They really enjoy it. And the people love it, you know, the, and you look at the top, you know, the McDavid's, and, uh, you know, the new lad there from BC, Bedard, like those guys are just almost unbalanced, you know, <laughs> uh, for the, you know, the good story. Luke Medell was a, a sports psychologist with uh, World Juniors last year. And the, and the Bedard stories he told me were amazing, like how much, how many pucks this guy shoots every day, you know. And I think he's the only guy that ever has ever gone to Hawaii and brought his hockey gear along with him. <laughs> You know, so he has a true love of the game and, and McDavid, Crosby, all the top. And you use those examples. Not everyone's going to be there, 
but if you, you know, if you don't look for perfection, you'll never, you'll never get the excellence, you know? So I think the number one that they enjoy the game, not everyone's going to be a, you know, a triple a player, uh, if they're double a or a, or they're a rec player, it doesn't matter. They should love the game. And, and for the coaches that coach them, I always think that when you're coaching those players, you're trying to make that season that you're coaching your players the best ever of their lives. You know, it could be the, the midget C and they may only want to play two times a week, but that your job as a coach and, and you know, they're all volunteers, but I said, once you accept, throw the volunteer out, your job now is to make an impact with those kids. And, and can you have the best every year for those people? You know, I, I consider, I, I'm going to use the, the word servant mentality. Uh, my job is to serve my players and to serve anyone in our organization. And I, you know, I'm wholeheartedly going to do whatever I can to make each day. And I love your, the name of your podcast, your win every day. Um, I try to make every day the best day, you know, and that's that servant mentality. And I think if more people had that, I'm here to serve uh, our world, first of all, would be a great, lot better spot and our country would be a lot better spot and our provinces would be a lot better spot where we you know, forget about the ego and just said, here, I'm here to serve and I'm here to help. And if it, I think the more you help, the actually the, the more you get back to you, you know, so, uh, so that's for players is that they absolutely love the game. So then once you love it, they'll take as far as they want, you know, they'll put the extra time in. It's not dad or mom pushing them to do the extra time or say, Oh, we need to get this or that. And then for parents, um, you know, I think the same type of thing, uh, you're providing your son or daughter with an opportunity, you know, and as a parent, and I'm lucky, you know, as a, as a coach, I've coached for over 30 years, but I was also a parent of a son that got to play, you know, through the minor hockey system and the AAA system. He got to play five years of major junior hockey. He got to play five years here at UNB and he got to play professional hockey. So one thing I learned when I, I you know, I started uh, teaching physical education at a, a Northern Native Reserve called Norway House, Manitoba, spending two years there. One thing I picked up from those people is never make uh, you know, a, a big decision or a big view of something, unless you put the moccasins of another person on, you know, and it, so it's really helped me uh, having a son in major junior hockey. And of course we talk every day. <laughs> I'd ask, okay, what did you, you know, what drills did you use today or what the coach do today? And then he'd tell me and I go, Holy job. Then I'd say, well, gee, I did that too, probably. <laughs> and it really helped me as a coach. And, and he, he went to major junior hockey in 2007 which is the first year of our first national championship. And, uh, you know, that you can see our record since, but that's helped me give a perspective on the player and also probably the parents, you know, how that, you know, that type of thing. So I think the, the parents to enjoy the journey, you know, and, uh, and uh, I think, you know, obviously you hear all the horror stories, but parents, but there's a lot of great parents too, that provide the opportunities for parents. It's not easy. And, you know, our sport that at one time was, a multi, I'm going to use the word dimensional, like, you know, if you made $10,000 a year as a family, or you made $100,000 a year as a family, your son could play hockey or your daughter could play hockey. And it's not as easy nowadays because our sport is expensive. You know, it's, and it takes a big commitment. So these families that are making their commitment, obviously I know they want to get the most out of it, but it's not always, you know, it's not always a destination that you're looking for, 
you know, I had a, a good lad that uh, had done our skills for many years. Dustin may remember him. George Wood was a, you know, a, a good alumni of ours and then did a lot of skills and drills for me. And he said, they got, the parents got to know the finish line isn't Friday night, you know, and uh, so much emphasis on being so good in that game at 10 years old or 14 years old, you know, it's a, it's a journey, you know, so yeah. their parents to enjoy it, but uh, to provide that opportunity, you know, for their son or daughter, provide every means for them to succeed, you know, that type of stuff. If it's, if it's getting up at six o'clock, Henny, you got to get up at six o'clock. <laughs> That's all part of it, you know, and then uh, for coaches, for young coaches, um, I think I, I'd use both of those. I like, you know, it's uh, you got to love and whatever level you're you're wanting to coach. So you may just want to be involved, you know, with minor hockey and then see where it evolves. You know, I started uh, in, I'm from a small little village in PEI called Bedeck PEI. We have a little rink. Um, and I I don't know. I love the game and I love being at the rink. So when I was in high school, I'd probably be at the rink every night. <laughs> You know, I, but I uh, I learned to love it, and I I remember I was in midget at that time. I guess that's under eighteen, probably under seventeen. And I, no, I think it was under sixteen. It was fifteen and sixteen year olds in midget, and I coached the Bantam B team. So you think how good that Bantam B team is? We're a village of about three hundred people, but we have enough for two Bantam teams. So I'm coaching the Bantam B team. I'm I had got my license. I'm sixteen or seventeen. And I'm, you know, recruiting young guys to try to make our team better because we didn't have a lot of talent. I'm trying to pluck a few of the Bantam A's to come to the Bantam B for a game or two. Uh, but uh, you know, so I, I knew I always wanted to coach. I just didn't know when and that type of thing. But I think for young coaches, the love of the game. But I think it's you're serving your players. You know, so you know, first of all is you know what level you're coaching. And I think to me, anytime you get a coaching assignment, the more you can find out about your players and your parents, you know, your opening meeting or during the tryouts and, you know, Dustin would have filled out numerous feedback sheets through the years. I think people will fill out forms more than they in a one-on-one -on -one interview. You know, I could give you a sheet of 10 questions, Barrett, which is the first thing I did in St. John, by the way. 10 questions I have I give every year to our players but in St. John I just wanted to find out I wanted to get, make a connection to them right away you know I got that sheet and I you know I had my uh, talks with the players I didn't worry about getting their cell phones or anything I just <laughs> I had my talks I usually had two or three in at a time you know and uh, I just you know what do your folks do What's your hobbies? What do you like in life? Why do you like hockey? What's your best memories? All that type of stuff. So there's a connection with the group. And I say the same thing if you're a coach, whatever level you're coaching, find out about your players and what they want. You know, if you're coaching the, the midget C team, maybe they only want to practice two times a week. That's fine. But then you get the most out of them and find out what they enjoy, you know, about practice and why they're still playing hockey. You know, what do they enjoy about it? You know, and then you try to meet their needs. You know, so those would be some, I don't know, that's a long winded nugget. Mm -hmm. no, <laughs> that, nuggets that's one good. Line, There's <laughs> lots of nuggets that we can pull and, and uh, spread out the, over a few uh, pieces of, of uh, promotion that we'll do about this podcast. But there's uh, the, the next section is our, our Grandpa B story time that our listeners have, have come to appreciate. And, um, you know, before I jump into that, I just really want to make sure people are aware of our golf tournaments that we got coming up this summer. We're going to have two fundraising golf tournaments. One is up at Waska Sioux, 
Um, we're going to have a really great event up there. And then the other one, we're going to move uh, move outside of Musha a little bit outside of our boundaries and have another golf tournament at Elbow. And so all that information is on our website at prairiehockey.ca. And also on that website, you'll find if you go on the, the camps button, you're going to notice that there's a spot there you can register for our spring ID camps, which are coming up really quick. I know, Dustin, for the 17s and 18s, you're looking forward to, to continue building next year's roster. You know, you're, you've probably learned lots of nuggets from Gardner on, on how to recruit, and you do a great job of that. And likewise for our U15 team, uh, the, the camp that's going to be there. So if you're listening out there or watching on, on YouTube, make sure, please, that you, you go and get signed up for a couple of those showcases. Um, and maybe through that time, uh, you'll have a great chance to, to get to know more about PHA because through this podcast, we've... We've had lots of great guests over the, the last 26 episodes, and, and here we are today talking with you know a, a coaching legend. And Dustin, you, as we said at the beginning of the podcast, you had a chance to play for Gardner. Um, so instead of me having Grandpa B story time, we want to shuffle it over to you and put the responsibility onto you uh, to tell a great story, and, and then Gardner, maybe this cues you up to, to have a rebuttal uh, story about uh, Dustin here. <laughs> well, I, you know, just listen to Gardner talk. Like I think it, it's, it's special because I think – you know, anyone listening, you can hear just his heart and how much he, he loves the game. Like he, that's his advice, but you can just see how much he loves the game and, and loves, uh, loves the players that he coaches and how he wants the best for him. So you can really see his servant heart, but I don't think one story is, uh, does justice for, I guess, um, <laughs> my time in New Brunswick. Um, I remember this is one thing that, um, Gardner, he always had, uh, we always had, uh, I guess, papers when guys would come in for a game or practice and stuff. But I remember one line, which I've tried to use in my coaching a lot, and it was make a significant difference. And uh, I'm not sure if you still use that uh, coach or not, but, um, you know, I think that's what Gardner's done is he's made a significant difference, you know, in that program and in the players that, that come there. So, um, you know, he's obviously a very special coach to a lot of people. I do remember my first year there, um, we, uh, training camps were, uh, coach liked to work and he liked to work as players and, uh, our training camps, um, involved a lot of running, a lot of skating. I do remember a certain, uh, in a certain particular, uh, run at the campus run where we started at top of the Aiken center, uh, down the street, the steep hill between the two campuses, um, across the soccer field and then up the windy road, uh, or up the windy trail going all the way up the campus and a uh, coach would be there at the top with the stopwatch, just checking to see what time we came in at and how in shape the guys uh, were. And we did that for probably a week straight. So I do remember, um, I do remember that I, I, you know, fortunately I was, uh, that was an okay event for me. Um, but I, I also remember that, um, you know, within my time at New Brunswick, uh, where we would do lots of running and, and, uh, I guess hour and a half practices, maybe longer. And that. I remember by my fifth year, um, you know, I would have to go to Gardner and be like, Hey coach, maybe we could extend practices where, you know, he, uh, he leading up to nationals, he was like, he wanted shorted, he wanted it short and he wanted guys to rest and recover. Um, and so I just, I just remember that just, just the, just the process of, of that team and the, and the program and, and how Gardner just, just viewed, um, you know, has, how, how he continued to evolve as a coach, how, how impressive, uh, that was. Um, I guess we made, uh, we, we had, I get best memories. I probably are just at the national championships and I, you know, we, uh, we went to nationals together a couple of times. Uh, some were successful and some weren't, I think our, our best team, uh, that was there is, is, is a team that lost. And so it, it speaks to like 
just um, a lot of things have to go into having, you know, making it all come together at the very end. And sometimes you need some luck, you need some bounces. Um, but I think those national championships were probably, you know, the highlight of of my career. And if there was uh, an extremely special one, it would have been the very first one um, where we were we were the underdogs, similar to how um, St. John was and um, where uh, we were in a hostile environment in Moncton. And um, it was just a special group and a special way to... Um, to uh, cap off that season, so, and you you guys won, or and you continue to win lots. Like just so our listeners and viewers are out there are aware, if you missed the the opening, um, eight national championships, nineteen conference championships. You know, like we just talked about Memorial Cup. Your coach of the year at U Sport at MJHL. You've put on uh, you know over a hundred players into academic all Canadian positions. Like you, you've got a probably a, a plethora of stories. Um, of, of great success. Is there any, any story that really stands out to you, Gardner, that would just be like, you know, here's, here, here's just one that summarizes everything that, that is embodied, everything that we do at, at, uh, at UNB? Yeah, we need a longer podcast probably. <laughs> but I, 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 since Dustin's here, and uh, I'll kind of – and Dustin was a forward, you know, a graduate of the Broncos, and, uh, you know, he was working full-time – with the green with his dad's farm and I remember it was tough it was a couple hour time difference just finding the connection with him but he turned out to be one of our best ever recruits he came in as a forward uh sometimes a necessity is the mother of invention and we had I think it was just the second year probably we were down uh, we had a smaller lineup that year and uh, we we're in the AUS finals uh, I think we're down to three defensemen <laughs> and I, Dustin was a very valuable forward for us, like tremendous and reluctantly I put him back to D and I thought he could be a pretty good D and, but, and the D was more prominent than, you know, a forward, but I remember we moved back there, but then I think we, we played the AOS final with eight forwards and four D <laughs> and we ended up losing. So I said, as the GM part, I'm never going to go with that smaller lineup again. Cause we just had some injuries at the end. Uh, I think Denny Johnson took a suspension on us and, uh, but it turned Dustin's life around and he'd have been a terrific forward. But uh, he was even better defenseman. It's harder to find great defensemen. He had five great seasons for us. And then obviously uh, pro hockey here in North America at the, at the American Hockey League, East Coast level. And then, you know, really found his way over in Europe and the DEL there. And if uh, if COVID didn't come along, probably would have even extended that pro career. And, uh, and going back to his fitness, he talked about, and it's interesting now, Dustin, we go right on the ice first day. We don't have many runs, anymore. <laughs> you know, and some of the, my alumni, the veteran alumni, because the early guys, we probably three weeks before we could get on the ice and they weren't in as good a shape. Most of them at that time. So we had the grunt camp, no question. So when I tell some of these stories, uh, the guys just kind of open their eyes. We still have our, uh, you know, a university cup challenge. We've had 24 years. We still have extensive fitness testing, but we have a lot of moderate tests. Now I still have some of my old timers, but, uh, Dustin set the record. We used to have a squat test and, uh, we had, I think 250 pounds or 300 pounds as many times as you could do it. Well, Dustin did it a hundred times. So I said, there's no, there's no value in that test. <laughs> so, <laughs> we that test. so the test is there. It's still listed and it's Dustin Friesen. 
Okay, test uh, this, this test stopped because Dustin Fries had did that many times. And then I think we did a max squat. And I think Dustin did 450 pounds or 490 pounds, one a max squat at that time. So we got rid of that as well. But <laughs> we have a brand new gym at UNB and it's all, all electronic. They can do one lift and we can pick up four things after one lift they do. And we still do the beep test. And at the one time Dustin was our all time leader. Uh, he's been passed on that one, <laughs> but he, you know, he was still one of the top. So if we have a couple moments, so one I told you uh, when I had recruited, I hadn't met him. Uh, my wife is from just outside of Winnipeg, the white shell area. And uh, we had made arrangements. Dustin had committed. Uh, he had got married that summer as well. And so for his honeymoon, he was traveling from, you know, middle of Saskatchewan, uh, just outside Saskatoon. He was traveling to Fredericton for his honeymoon, basically. And uh, I think he stopped. I think it was Dougal, Manitoba, Trevor Kid's hometown. That's kind of intersection for where my wife's parents were. And I met him on his trip down. He had, I remember, he had the little, little a quarter ton truck packed to the <laughs> And these two uh, just recently married, uh, Catherine and Dustin, on their way. To the east coast and full trust in me <laughs> i said wow <laughs> anyways i uh when he got there uh, i think he stayed at the Fredericton Inn. john wait was a, the manager at that time i gave him a call i said listen this guy this is not just any recruit we got a honeymoon suite make sure he gets in the honeymoon suite we have one honeymoon so let's make sure that we do a great job here and i come a, a day or two later my flight uh, got back in and i remember picking them both up and wanting to give them a tour of the city. And I think I had just arrived, went right to the hotel. So for whatever reason, I didn't have my wallet with me. And I don't know why I didn't have registration. Anyways, I'm giving them a tour of the Fredericton area, potential places where they could rent to stay or whatever. And I get the, our city's finest pulled me over, city police pulled me over. And long and short of it, I got fined for no license and no registration. And this was my first half hour meeting them. And I, I especially in the cafe, I said, listen, it's not always like this. I apologize. <laughs> Anyways, it wasn't a greatest start, but uh, he certainly had a tremendous five years here. And, and they, the one thing uh, about Dustin, he was a key member of our, our you know, our team and, and we had the community with our youth camps. He spent, you know, I don't know, probably eight years. I know he spent a few years there after when you played pro hockey, but they, they got heavily involved in the church and the community and uh, still to this day, a lot of respect uh, in the city. So uh, we talk about making a significant difference. It's our university motto. And I use the word make a significant positive difference because sometimes you know there may be in the coaching world, people that make a negative difference and, and kids quit hockey for different reasons. Uh, so I think you make a positive and certainly Dustin is one of those you know, people, especially the 1% club, I call them, that made a big difference here in, in Fredericton, his time here, and certainly over in Germany made a big difference over there. And, and I'm, you know, in your community there, I'm sure is making a big difference there as well in everything he does. So uh, it's a privilege for me uh, to be on a podcast with Dustin, because I just think the world, the accomplishments here, and uh, for those players that are, I would kind of privilege to have him as a coach because I know he'll be an excellent, excellent coach. Uh, yeah, you know, one of my mentors growing up, uh, you know, was a guy uh, was Dave King, 
and everything Dave King and I couldn't go to enough conferences for Dave King and I know his boy Scott works sometimes for your program and with the Warriors here in Moose Jaw but uh, you know Dustin to me has a lot of those attributes that Dave King had uh, you know as a coach and how he you know relate to people and stuff like that so I we have a little thing here at UMB called JGS I've been using as a motto here for about five years now and uh, I do a lot of motivational talks on the JGS, but the, you know, just the, the first le- word is uh, four letters start to J ends with T, which is just, and just getting started. And, uh, you know, that's our philosophy here at our, our program. Uh, we're 26 and 0, but, uh, you know, I'll go in tomorrow to practice and I say, boys, we're just getting started here where we, where we want to go. And uh, I think it's a great way to, for people to live their lives. We can't change what's already been done. Yesterday is done. There's nothing we can do, whether it was a good day or a tough day. We have no idea about tomorrow or next week, but all we can be is the very, very best we can be today. And uh, if you, everyone had that just getting started mentality, we'd have a lot of enthusiasm at our practices. And I truly believe it. Dustin is uh, what he's done, getting his feet wet there, but he's just getting started in the coaching world as well. So thanks to both of you for uh, allowing me to speak to your group there. Yeah, well, we're, like I said, we're excited to have you on board. And and uh, even though it's winding up the end of our podcast, and I, I do believe we're just getting started at, at Prairie Hockey Academy, right? We're in our seventh year. We've got Dustin leading our 18s team. Um, we've got another one of your former players, Calvin Watson, who comes in and helps out, and his boys are part of our program. Um, we got, a, I would say, as a general manager, one of the joys that I have of working with this staff is every one of our coaches has, has that servant leader mindset like that you talked about. They're, they're guys that love their players. They want to do the best for them. They go overboard. Like they, Dustin and his guys, um, all the way down through Rob and Trey and, and, and then with Chris and I, their 15s, these guys are in the trenches all the time. And, and I know that they've been you know prepared and groomed by great coaches like yourself. And so thank you for continuing to invest in, in your community. Um, it's not just having an impact there on the East Coast. Your impact in the game of hockey is is coast to coast and around the world, and it's making a difference in in young lives. So you you continue to you're, you're, I don't think you're done at all. You're just getting started yourself, <laughs> even though you've been there 24 years and you're 26 and 0, and you've got all these championships. I think you're you're just getting started yourself. So thanks for being on the show today with us, Gardner. It's an honor to have you, and we look forward to maybe having you on down the road, maybe after you win another back to back this year. I hope you're a great predictor. <laughs> right on well thanks for coming on the show and to all of our listeners out there make sure you give us a like follow us on our podcast share our show with others and uh, we'll see you out there in the hockey rinks soon thank you for listening to today's episode of the win all day everyday podcast if you enjoyed today's episode we would ask that you leave us a five-star review and consider subscribing to our podcast so you don't miss any future episodes If you have any comments or questions that you would like us to answer in future episodes, please leave those below. Thank you for your support and have a great day.